Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. If you think about it, truth, by its very definition, is divisive. So what do we do about that? Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that. And it's useful. I mean, I'm guessing you don't even argue with this. The opposite of true is false. Or, in the language of the laws of thought, known as logic, A cannot equal not A at the same time and in the same way. So what do we do with someone, Jesus, who doesn't just speak truth, but is truth, as we will hear later in John. Or as we heard recently, he said, I'm the bread of life. Well, he is or he isn't. Well, at the end of yesterday's New Testament reading, we heard that the people were divided over whether or not Jesus was Messiah. And in our closing reflection, I'm going to offer up one thought about how we love this Jesus and, importantly, love people, despite the fact that truth is divisive. And there's an important distinction that should be part of our culture awareness. With that, picking up our New Testament segment today, John chapter 7, picking up in verse 45. Then the servants came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? The servants answered, No man ever spoke like this. Then the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, who came to them previously and who was one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. All right, friends, this is now verse 53. And verse 53 in chapter 7 through verse 11, your Bible probably says this wasn't in the earliest manuscripts, earliest and most reliable manuscripts. Remember this. I'm going to read it. Remember that it's probably true. And I think we should even judge it as so. Just remember it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. And so we probably weight it accordingly. Continuing, then each one went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses... It was commanded to us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. 
When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left. And with the woman in the center, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin any more. All right, that's the end of that section. Picking back up. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the gift of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to them, I'm going away, you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, He won't kill himself, will he, since he says, Where I'm going, you cannot come? You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he... You will die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning. Jesus told them, I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true, and what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. All right, that gets us up through chapter 8, verse 30. <laughs> there was there was a time when a famous and popular atheist named Richard Dawkins was quoted as saying that religion is a fairy tale for those afraid of the dark. And Christian math professor John Lennox responded, Ah, but atheism is a fairy tale for those afraid of the light. <laughs> kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So, turning back to our Old Testament segment, the world has been created... People were blessed and given work to do, but they chose to use that free will in a way that broke relationship with their creator and now, well, each other. Genesis chapter 4. The man was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, 
I have had a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel, and now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, and you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood that you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear, since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. And then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Erod was born to Enoch. Erod fathered Mahujael. Mahujael fathered Methushael, father Lamech. Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Ada and the other named Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the first of the nomadic herdsmen, and his brother was named Jubal, and he was the first of all who play the lyre and flute. Zillah bore Tubal-Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Tubal-Cain's sister was named Namah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words. For I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be seventy-seven times. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another offspring in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. This is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and when they were created, he blessed them and called them mankind. Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. 
Adam lived 800 years after he fathered Seth, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Adam's life lasted 930 years, and then he died. Seth was 105 years old when he fathered Enosh. Seth lived 807 years after he fathered Enosh, and he fathered many sons and daughters. So Seth's life lasted 912 years, and then he died. Enosh was 90 years old when he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived 815 years after he fathered Kenan, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Enosh's life lasted 905 years, and then he died. Kenan was 70 years old when he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived 840 years after he fathered Mahalalel, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Kenan's life lasted 910 years, and then he died. Mahalalel was 65 years old when he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived 830 years after he fathered Jared, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Mahalalel's life lasted 895 years, and then he died. Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. Jared lived 800 years after he fathered Enoch, and his, he fathered other sons and daughters. So Jared's life lasted 962 years, and then he died. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. After he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Get this, friends. Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. It's one of two places in the whole Bible where somebody was and then wasn't. And some people think he just went right to heaven because it very explicitly says he didn't die. So there you go. Methuselah was 187 years when he fathered Lamech. Methuselah was 782 years after he fathered Lamech, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Methuselah's life lasted 969 years, and then he died. Lamech was 182 years when he fathered a son. He named him Noah, saying, This one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Lamech lived 595 years after he fathered Noah, and he fathered other sons and daughters. Salemach's life lasted 777 years, then he died. Noah was 500 years old, and he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that is Genesis 4 and 5. Uh, and before we get to our wisdom segment, I'll say this. Just recently, I was giving a guy a ride home from men's group. Uh, and he asked about he asked about that stuff we just read. Why do people live so long? And the truth is, of course, we don't know. I don't know. And there are a number of theories about it. But here's my quickie take. We were made to live forever. But the introduction of friction into the system, sin, begins slowing things down. So, well, whether somebody lives 900 years or 400 years or I live 90 years, it all falls short of what God intended. So, for our wisdom segment today, we're going to keep it kind of short. Proverbs 29, verses 4 and 5. Don't wear yourself out to get rich, because you better, you know better. Stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. I like the presupposition there. Uh, you know better. <laughs> hey, for our reflection segment today, uh, remember that yesterday we heard Jesus say that we are to exercise judgment and that we must judge rightly 
and righteously. And this necessarily sometimes requires not just exercising discernment over something inane, like whether or not somebody proposed the right solution for a problem at the office, but moral judgments as well. Obviously, it helps to be grounded in what Scripture lays out as right and wrong. And, since I don't have too long to go into this, here's what comes to mind this morning. Remember that in Romans 12, Paul said that, so far as it depends on us, we should be at peace with all people, including our enemies. And I think it's useful, uh, and I think that is useful, because we can offer peace and love. We can offer it, but that doesn't mean it will be received. And a key to that, when it comes to loving people, I think is to remember this distinction. Be egalitarian regarding people. Be elitist regarding ideas. In other words, all image bearers deserve us recognizing their dignity. But that doesn't mean all ideas are true or that we should abandon truth. But as Peter writes, we should be prepared to give an answer with gentleness and respect. Doesn't mean we always have to, but we should be prepared and do so with gentleness and respect. Now remember this. Some people were offended by Jesus saying the truth. They even threw out what he said because he didn't have the right credentials. But that was their issue, not his. So I'll leave you with this. In the book of Ephesians, the most literal translation of quote-unquote speaking the truth in love is truthing in love. Like living a life of truth and grace. Oh, maybe like Jesus said we should. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.